Chapter twenty six of More About Pixie by Mrs. George de Horn Vesey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reminiscences Bridgie was not waiting at the station. She heard me saying that I might be here myself and maybe remembered that two are company, said Jack with a laugh. But when Rutland Road was reached, someone stood waiting to open the door of the cab and welcome the wanderer in the sweetest tones of a sweet contralto voice. She said only a few words, but with true Irish tact, chose just the ones which were most comforting under the circumstances. Welcome back, dear. I've missed you badly. So have we all. Then she looked at Jack and smiled as if his presence were the most natural thing in the world you have brought her home safely that's right she said it was one of bridgie's most lovable qualities that she never asked awkward questions nor showed undue curiosity about the affairs of others brother and sister said good-bye at the door leaving aunt and niece alone and as the door closed behind them sylvia felt a spasm of loneliness and regret it was hard to part from jack with that formal shake of the hand to feel that days might elapse before they met again and as she looked round the ugly little dining-room she felt like a prisoned bird which longs to break loose the bars and fly to its mate it seemed impossible to settle down to the old monotonous life and yet and yet how much much worse it might have been how thankful she ought to be if one hope had been taken away another had been granted in its stead the path ahead was still bright with promise and a sudden pity seized her for the woman whose youth was gone and who had lost the last tie to the past she returned her aunt's kisses with unusual affection and roused herself to notice and show appreciation of the efforts which had been made on her behalf the table was laid with the best china the red satin tea-cosy had been brought from its hiding-place upstairs and divested of its muslin bag and holland wrappings the centre mat presented by cousin mary ferguson two christmases ago was displayed for the first time the serviettes were folded into rakish imitations of cocked hats it was half touching half gruesome to find the occasion turned into a fete but sylvia was determined to be amiable and said gratefully how kind of you to have supper ready for me aunt margaret i could not eat anything on the boat but now i believe i am hungry it all looks very good the chickens one gets in france are not the least like the ones at home they don't know how to feed them my dear i'm glad you have an appetite i always find that when i am in trouble nothing tempts me so much as a cup of tea and a slice off the breast just take off your hat and sit down as you are everything is ready miss munns was evidently gratified to receive an acknowledgment of her efforts and insisted upon waiting upon her niece and loading her plate with one good thing after another but after the meal was over there followed a painful half-hour when sylvia had to submit to a searching cross-questioning on the events of the past weeks unlike bridgie 
miss munns insisted upon detail had a ghoulish curiosity to know in exactly what words mrs nisbet had broken the sad news in exactly what words sylvia had replied in exactly what manner the first black days had been spent her spectacles were dimmed with tears as she listened to what the girl had to tell and her thin lips quivered with a genuine grief but she was still acutely interested to hear of the number of carriages at the funeral of the meals in the hotel and the purchase of sylvia's mourning garments you must show them to me to-morrow i expect they are very smart coming from france i always wear black so there was not much to be done i had the black satin taken off my cashmere dress and folds of crape put in its place and some dull trimming instead of jet on my cape i haven't decided about my bonnet you must give me your advice of course i wish to do everything that is proper but it's been an expensive year yes assented sylvia absently she rose from her seat and walking across the room leant her elbow on the mantelpiece there was something she wanted to say and it was easier to say it with averted face aunt margaret i want to ask you a question please tell me the truth shall i have any money was father able to provide for me i know you are not well off and i could not bear to be a burden to you if i have no money of my own i must try to earn some i should be telling you the truth my dear if i said that i knew less about it than you do yourself your father was very close about business matters very close indeed he was supposed to have a good business a few years ago and was always very handsome in his ways but he has grumbled a good deal of late and i don't know how things will be now he is gone he had a lawsuit with an old partner in salon which hung on a long time i don't know if it is settled yet and if not we shall have to let it drop you can always have a home with me but there will be nothing to spare for lawyers expenses give me a bird in the hand as i said to your father the last time he was home if the worst comes to the worst you can give some music lessons in the neighbourhood mrs burton was telling me on monday that her little boy has quite a taste picks out all the barrel organ tunes on the piano with one finger you might get him as a beginning yes assented sylvia faintly and to herself she cried oh jack dear how good of you to love me how good of you to give me something to live for how dreadful 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 i should be feeling now if you had not met me and made the whole world different miss munns was watching her anxiously fearing a burst of tears and was greatly relieved when she turned round and showed a composed and even smiling face i'll find some work if it is necessary auntie I'll, and i'll try to help you too you've been very good to me and i'm afraid i have been rather horrid sometimes i thought of it when i was away and determined to make a fresh start if you would forgive me this time we're the only two left and we ought to love each other i'm sure i am very much attached to you my dear i was saying so to miss o'shaughnessy only to-day 
i don't deny that your manner is rather sharp at times but there's nothing like trouble for taming the spirits i shouldn't wonder if we got along much more happily after this miss bridgie brought a little parcel for you i mustn't forget that it's on that little table she told me to give it to you at once what can it be i wonder something i left over there by mistake i suppose sylvia said listlessly as she unfolded the paper but her expression altered the next moment as she beheld a flat leather case inside which reposed a miniature painting of the same face which used to smile upon her from her own chimney-piece surprise held her speechless while a quick rush of tears testified more eloquently than words to the faithfulness of the portrait the painting was exquisitely fine and soft the setting the perfection of good taste in its handsome severity it seemed at the moment just the greatest treasure which the world could offer who could have sent it sylvia reluctantly handed the case for miss munn's curious scrutiny while she opened the note which had fallen from the paper bridgie's handwriting confronted her but she had hardly time to marvel how so costly a gift could come from such an impecunious donor before surprise number two confronted her in the opening words esmeralda told me to give you this miniature from myself but i want you to know that it is entirely her idea and present from the beginning as soon as she heard your sad news she asked me to borrow the best photograph of your father to be copied by the same artist who painted the major for her she has been to see how he was getting on almost every day till the poor man was thankful to finish it just to be rid of her and here it is to welcome you dear and we hope be a comfort to you all your life esmeralda echoed sylvia blankly it seemed for a moment as if bridgie must be romancing for the staid english mind refused to believe that one who had at one time appeared actively antagonistic and at the best had shown nothing warmer than a lofty tolerance should suddenly become the most thoughtful and generous of friends yet there it was specified in black and white esmeralda had originated the kindly plan she had engaged no second-rate artist but one to whom her own work had been entrusted and had given freely of what was even more value to her than money her time in order that the gift should arrive at the right moment sylvia flushed with a gratification which was twofold in its nature for here at last seemed an opening of drawing near in heart to that beautiful baffling personality who was jack's sister and might some day oh wonderful thought be her own also it would be a triumph indeed if in these days of waiting she could overcome the last lingering prejudice and feel that there would be no dissentient note when at last the great secret was revealed aunt and niece hung together over the case with its precious contents the one exhausting herself in expressions of gratitude and appreciation the other equally delighted but quite unable to resist looking the gift-horse in the mouth and speculating in awed tones concerning the enormous cost of ivory miniatures 
that jarred but on the whole the evening passed more pleasantly than sylvia could have believed possible the unexpected excitement breaking the thread of that painful cross-examination and carrying the old lady's thoughts back to the far-off days when she and her brother had been sworn friends and playmates tell me what you used to do auntie it must be so nice to have someone to play with do tell me some of your escapades she pleaded wistfully and miss munns shook her head and assumed a great air of disapproval though it was easy to see that she cherished a secret pride in the remembrance of her own audacities i am afraid we were very naughty thankless children one day i remember teddy as we used to call him had been very rightly punished for disobedience and he confided in me that he intended to run away and go to sea as a cabin boy we always did everything together in those days so of course nothing must suit me but i must go too we got up early the next morning and ran out into the garden where we were allowed to play before breakfast then slipped out of the side door to walk to portsmouth portsmouth was eighteen miles away and i was only six and before we had walked two miles i was crying with fatigue and hunger teddy had brought some bread and butter so we sat under a hedge to eat it and he told me we must be very nearly there just then up came a tramp and stopped to ask why we were crying and what we were doing out there in the road at that hour in the morning we are going to portsmouth to be cabin boys we told him and i can remember to this day how he laughed if you are going to be cabin boys you won't want those clothes he said you had better take them off and give them to me to change for proper sailor things we thought that a splendid idea so he took teddy's suit and my frock and hat and left us shivering under the hedge waiting his return of course he never came and an hour or two later my father came driving along to look for us and we were taken home and punished as we deserved that is to say teddy was whipped and i was only put to bed for he insisted that the idea was his and that he alone was to blame oh nice little teddy murmured sylvia fondly looking down at the pictured face which despite grey hair and wrinkles had still the gallant air of the little boy who shielded his sister from blame having once started miss munns told one story after another of her childhood days of the lessons which brother and sister used to learn together a whole page of magnol's questions at a time and of the dire and terrible conspiracy by which they learnt alternate answers easily persuading the docile governess to take the right turns thus teddy when asked what is starch could reply with prompt accuracy while remaining in dense ignorance of the date when printing was introduced into england concerning which his small sister was so well informed sylvia was told of the books which were read and re-read until the pages came loose from their bindings of the thrilling adventures of one masterman ready whose stockade being besieged by savages it became an immediate necessity to guard the gate at the head of the nursery stairs 
and to hurl a succession of broken toys at the innocent nurse as she forced an entry of a misguided and stubborn rosamond who expended her savings on a large purple vase from a chemist's window and found to her chagrin that when the water was poured away it was only a plain glass bottle and of a certain layla who sojourned on a desert island in the utmost comfort and luxury being possessed of a clever father who found all that he needed on the trees in the forest an hour later when sylvia went up to her room it was impossible to resist drawing aside the blind to look across the road and in an instant another blind was pulled back and a tall dark figure stood clearly outlined against the lighted background sylvia understood that jack had been watching for her advent and felt comforted by his presence and all that was meant by that waving hand she wondered whether she had better write to esmeralda or try to see her in person but the question was decided by pixie who came over early the next morning to announce mrs hilliard's arrival in the afternoon she wants to see you and say she's sorry she explained and when sylvia exhausted herself in expressions of gratitude and delight oh esmeralda would give you her skin if it would fit ye she said coolly she's the kindest of us all when she isn't cross give her her way and you may have all the rest i've known her raise the roof on us and appealing to every relation we owned to get what she wanted and then wrap it up in brown paper that very day and post it back where it came i'm glad ye like it so much now if i'd been clever and bought some more paints when those people wanted me maybe i could have done it for you meself her face grew suddenly grave and wistful when i got my telegram at school the girls all brought me home presents from the walk pencil boxes and jujubes and a little toy rabbit that wagged its head i don't know how it was but they soothed my feelings i should have liked to buy you something sylvia but i don't get my wages till the end of the month and then they are spent you'll excuse me won't you me dear for you know i am sorry my darling girl i don't want presents come to see me as often as you can and go on being fond of me that's all i want cried sylvia warmly and pixie brightened once more there's no credit in that it isn't as if you were nasty i'll not be able to call on ye as often as i'd like for i'm off to the seaside mrs wallace has taken a house on the thames and her cousin is coming home from the wars and a friend with him and lots of ladies and gentlemen all staying in the house to be entertained so they want me to go too of course of course repeated sylvia gravely there was something so charming in pixie's simple assumption that every one desired her company that she would not for the world have tried to destroy it i hope you will enjoy yourself very much dear and come back with some colour in your cheeks though i am afraid that particular part of the seaside is not very bracing tell mrs hilliard with my love that i shall be charmed to see her this afternoon End of chapter twenty six